Matthew 14, 34 through 36. It says, And when they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent around to all that region and brought to him all who were sick and implored him that they might only touch the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. Let he who has ears to hear, hear the word of the Lord. So the story that our children have just put before us is not the beginning of the story. Sometimes we think Christmas is the beginning of the story, but it's not. It's rather it's the fulfillment of a promise that was made long ago by God in Genesis 3.15, that the seed of the woman would come and crush the head of the serpent, Satan. And in the crushing of that head, his heel would be wounded. All of history had been unfolding leading up to this, to the birth of this profoundly magnificent one who came in the most, most regular and ordinary of ways. He would grow in wisdom. He would grow in knowledge and in favor among men. And one day would be revealed in his baptism to be the beloved son of God with whom, God, with whom God the Father was well pleased. From that point, he would minister publicly, proclaiming the kingdom of God was at hand and that repentance was necessary. He would be known as Rabbi Jesus. He would call to himself 12 disciples. He would heal people of their afflictions, whether they were blind, lame, mute, deaf, leprous. He would raise some from the dead. He would keep the law perfectly, without blemish. And he would do so in a place far removed from the eyes and the attention of the world. And it was a place that was disparaged even among those who were of a similar lineage. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Look for yourself and see no prophet has arisen from Galilee. Many would be affected by him. And eventually, you heard he would be betrayed by one of his closest friends. He'd be handed over to the authorities of the day. And he would die the ignominious death of crucifixion, reserved for the worst of criminals, though he was innocent of all guilt before both the eyes of man and of God. But he would rise again on the third day in accordance to what had been prophesied about him and what he himself had said multiple times. For God's rule overrules the fallen and sinful rulings of man. He did so that he might save all whom the Father would give to him all who would come to him. Not just in his time, but throughout all time. Up to and including today. And for however many days there are left. Here we have the means by which God's chosen Savior for men was revealed. He was revealed when the angelic chorus hailed his birth. And he was revealed three days later when death couldn't hold him. His words and his works, and the absence of sin, they had borne witness to him throughout his earthly life, to him and who he was, and is. So this should come to no surprise, that the grave couldn't endure in its grip upon him, that he walked free. And as he lives, so he continues and desires to make well all those who would reach out to him, as those who were brought to him in today's text reveals. Did you notice that at the end? It says that they brought who? They brought all who were sick. 
They went out and gathered all the sick people they could find, and they brought them to him. And then the sick people weren't the ones that implored him. Who were the people that implored him? Those that brought the sick. And then it says, as many as touched the fringe of his garment were made well. So briefly this morning, we look at this, we, we see that Jesus, they, he crossed over. What he's just done is he's walked on the water. He's gotten in the boat. Peter walked out to him, came back. That all has taken place. And they arrive in Gennesaret, which is on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. It's kind of close to the place where Jesus did most of his ministry, his earthly ministry. And it tells us that the men of that place, what did they do? They, they recognized him. They recognized him as he was. So it's likely that among these people, many had at least heard him teach. Perhaps there's some among them that had been recipients of his previous healings. And so he gets out of the boat and he's there and the people recognize him. And immediately what, they, what do they do? It's interesting to me that this one who they'd heard teach and maybe some have been healed by, what would you do? Would you run right up to him? Or would you run out to get more people so they could be brought close to him so that they might receive something very like what they had? Their response was not immediately to mob him. It was to go get more people to bring to him. So they recognized him as he was, and they received him as he was. Notice we're not told that they understood everything about him, but they clearly understood something about him. So as they recognize him and as they depart to go gather all of those people, they sent around to all that region and brought to him all who were sick, every last one they could find. And in that, there's an implicit faith, not a blind faith, an implicit faith that's on display, trusting in the fact that as they knew he had done previously, so they trusted he could and would do again. Otherwise, their gathering of the sick makes no sense. Do you see that? They trusted in what he had been, what he had done. And they said, we're going to go and we'll gather all the sick so that what? He can keep doing it. Because they brought him and they had, perhaps they had this idea that he's one who's not to be sequestered away from everyone. But he's one that draws all in and welcomes whosoever comes. They implored him, which that word that's implored there means to beg, to entreat, to beseech. He's not making them grovel, but they're revealing their heart's desire. And their heart's desire is for what? They implored him that they, those that they brought, might only touch the fringe of his garment. But notice they don't assume that that's a right that's theirs. They don't presume upon his ability and kindness. They come asking for what they believe he will do. There's a wonderful tenderness to that. There's a humility to it that they reveal. He is the one who heals. He is the one who teaches as no other one has taught. And we've been amazed. And they go and they beseech on behalf of their afflicted neighbors. They put us to shame, don't they? Because that should be us, right? If we're Christians, if we're Christ followers and the ones who have seen who he is, recognized him, shouldn't our response be similar to what, what these men are doing? And he's even given us a place in the calendar for that to happen, Christmas. He's everyone loves Christmas. 
even if they don't know what it's about. Yes, there's there's difficult things around Christmas. There's that, that that's difficult, but there's a change. There's a feeling. There's something different that comes about because the greatest of all gifts came. So do we receive him and we recognize him as he is? Knowing that we'll never understand him completely, but have we understood him? The things that he's revealed, where he invites all to come. And whosoever comes to him, he will not turn away. He wasn't, he didn't come to be sequestered. Ever. He came to be proclaimed. He came to heal. He came to save. So we recognize him. We receive him as he is. We say who he is. We echo what the disciples said just in the previous verse in Matthew 14, 33. Truly, you are the Son of God who is to come into the world. Truly, you are the Savior. It, it includes what he has done. Yes, he made blind people see and lame people walk. Deaf people hear, cleansed the leper. And yes, he came born of a virgin, and that matters. You don't understand it. I don't understand it. But we have God's testimony and the witnesses of the word that say this is how he came. And we believe that. And we confess it. He would die on a cross. And three days later, he would walk out of the grave. How did the dead come back to life? I don't understand that any better than probably any of you do. And if you do know it, please enlighten me. And enlighten all of us around there. But after three days, one comes back from the dead. Do I understand how that can happen? Only by the grace and the presence of God and in accordance to the promises that he's given. And we confess that it has been witnessed and it is true and he is alive. And those that saw it saw him ascend to the right hand of God from where he rules over all things, and from whence he will return to gather all of his to him. What is he doing? He's at the right hand of God. He's interceding for his people. He's continuing to go forth in our word and our witness that many more would reach out to him that they might be made well. What will he do? We've already mentioned he will return. And when he returns, that will be the end and he will bring everyone into the full presence of the glory of himself, his Father and the Spirit. Assembled all together for all the rest of eternity will be all of those who have trusted and had faith in this one who came in such a common way. So we recognize and we receive as Christians and we bring all who are sick to him. Who do you know that's sick? If they're not in Christ, that's the qualification. Because sickness is not just physical sickness. Physical sickness is just a tiny image of the travail of the soul that is outside of Christ. Bring all, because all need to hear. That's what we see the Apostle Paul doing after all this. He's trying to bring all. He doesn't care who they are. A little slave girl, a, a guy who, who imprisoned him and kept watch over him, the rulers of the known world at that time. 
the most intelligent of the philosophers in Athens, he goes before them to tell them about this one who is and who's coming. And look at these people that they brought. There's wonder here. So they recognized him, they received him, and they brought others. And then there was this restoration that comes. Many, as many as touched it, were made well. The heartbreaking part of this says, what? Did you catch it? It doesn't say all of them reached out to touch his robe. But it does tell us that as many as touched it were made well. Have you reached out to him? To him. Not the person who brought you to him, as wonderful as they might be and as faithful as they have been, but to him. That's who we profess, that's who we confess this morning. That's who our children have told us about. That's why we come together every week to rejoice that he is alive and that he does heal and he continues to restore and make us well. Reach out and touch his robe because you will be made well. Those that didn't were not. That's not our desire for anyone. Because all who receive him are healed and made well. They're made children of God. 1 John 5.12 We can't receive him for anyone else, but we confess the one who gives life and gives it abundantly. And that the one who gives that life, he can't be taken away from those he gives it to. Reach out to him and be made well. And can you imagine, can you imagine rejoicing? Joy is our theme this morning. It's been in the songs. And there's rejoicing in the truth that the God of all the universe, the one in whose image everyone has been made, took that flesh upon himself and came and lived among us. That he might do what none of us could do, and reconcile us to God, something that we could never provide for on our own. Can you imagine the rejoicing there as Jesus got out of that boat and they brought all who were sick, and whoever touched the fringe of his garment, they were made well. Among them there could be the unclean who had, had spent so much time wandering around announcing before themselves, unclean, unclean, so everyone would get out of their way. And that their uncleanness wouldn't stick to them. And they would reach out and they would touch his robe. And their uncleanness didn't stick to him. His cleanness did what? Removed their uncleanness. And they were restored to their families. Those that couldn't walk, they walked again for the first time in who knows how long. Can you imagine the joy? We rejoice when healing takes place over time and all of a sudden we can do the things that we enjoy to do. Come see me after a month off of enforced run, not running. Shannon's like, you need to go. Then when it comes again, the joy of a healing that took place just over a little while. Or over, over time. And here, in a moment, it's there. How much joy do you think was present on that day? Scripture tells us there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents and over 99 who need no repentance. That's not to say they don't need repentance. It's to show you and reveal to you how pervasive and full that joy is. It's celebrated in heaven. The effect of his healing now, it removes from death and brings to life. Just do this. And over, you know, if you've got a Bible today or over this week, 
flip maybe to some of the people that you know. Consider the people that you're aware of in Scripture that recognized and received him and compare them to those that either recognized and didn't receive him or didn't either. What's the difference? Who would you rather be like? The difference is everything because those that receive Christ are brought to life. There's joy that's there. Their lives weren't necessarily easy. That's, that's right there in the black and white for you to read as well. But there was joy that was in it. Paul, would you make me to be a Christian in a day? A day, however long it takes. I would for everyone here to be made like me, except for these chains. I, you know, I don't want those chains for you, but to be, have life in Christ. To have that joy of the one who lives. Joy is the difference, and that joy and that life can be yours in Him. Because to look anywhere else is to look and to hope in something that will end, something that is a lie, something that is incomplete. We live in a fallen world, a world that wants to make you comfortable in your lostness and in the darkness of sin and death. Man, as God created him, wasn't made for lostness, for sin, and for death. Jesus, as he came in the flesh, lived as God intended and designed man to live, reliant upon every word of God. And as a man, he lived in the midst of lostness and of sin and of death. As he did so, he was seeking out and finding the lost. As he did so, he was enduring every temptation and yet never sinning. And as he did so, he went through death. Not because he deserved it, but on behalf of those who were his. He went through death that sin and death would be no more. And that men, women, and children from all walks of life would be saved. That they would be reconciled to him that death would no longer hold fear because its power is broken. God's children, the followers of Jesus Christ, are to follow in his path, seeking out the lost and bringing them to him, as these men in our text today did. They're to confess their sins and to know the wonder of the forgiveness that comes in Christ and Christ alone. And they're to fear not death, for it's been broken by Christ. And they will be delivered through and from it into hope and glory eternal. God's children, the followers of Christ, are not content or comfortable with lostness. Can we say that? Sometimes we stray a little. The wonder of who's, who is ours and who we confess is that he forgives. That we would not be content or comfortable with lostness. Let us not be content or comfortable with it for ourselves or for our neighbors. God's children are not content or comfortable with lostness and they fight against the darkness of sin and death, hating its effect. Hating it and its effect upon their neighbors, but in themselves first and an imitation of their Savior by the power of the Spirit that's given to all who are in Christ as He reveals it in them and in witnessing before and proclaiming to the world the foundness and the light and the life that are only available in Christ. 
to whosoever will reach out to him. The word made well in the Greek, in the text there, all who touched it were made well. The word means made complete, made whole, perfectly healed. It's not an accident that that word is used. It's not saying that they didn't go on and eventually die from there, but it is communicating to us that the picture of what took place there as Jesus made them perfectly well in their bodies so you can be made perfectly well in him spiritually, that you would have perfect life in him. It's there for you. Will you reach out to him receiving that most wonderful gift? He will heal. Will we, as Christ followers, bring all the sick to him? No matter how comfortable or uncomfortable it might be for you to bring them to him. Will we bring all the sick to him, to the greatest gift ever given to mankind? Knowing that if you bring them to him and they reach out, he will heal. Let this be that day and every day that he gives you because we're going to celebrate his coming and that's what he came to do, is to heal to make well, to give life. Let this be the day and come to life that you would live as you were created to live.